the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Four minutes after seven o'clock, Jimmy Sangenberger here with you, filling in for George Brockler, completing the trifecta after filling in for Deborah Flora and Stefan Tubbs yesterday. Now, this morning, six to ten in for George Brockler. And by the way, I'll be back in for Stefan from four until seven tomorrow afternoon as well, right here on Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710. K-N-U-S. So Joe Biden, the president of the United States, says he has no regrets about what has gone on with his document scandal of all these classified documents that keep showing up at his home, various homes, at his office for a think tank associated with the University of Pennsylvania And they go back as far as his U.S. Senate career. Here is something Biden said. Look, as we found, uh, we found a handful of documents were failed, uh, were filed in the wrong place. We immediately turned them over to the archives and the Justice Department. We're fully cooperating, looking forward to getting this resolved quickly. I think you're going to find... There's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. I have no regrets. There's no there there. What does he mean by that? Well, Corinne Jean-Pierre, White House press secretary, was asked about that. Why doesn't he have regrets, given that classified documents keep turning up? I talked about this uh, last week. I'm not going to go beyond what the president said. Uh, again, I would refer you to the White House counsel for anything further on um, on on this legal matter. Again, I'm just I spoke to this yesterday. I'm just not last week. Pardon me, last Friday. I'm just not going to go beyond That's what not the a president. Legal question. It's about his I statement understand. from last I, week. I understand, and I said I'm not going to go beyond what the president said. Uh, and I think it speaks for speaks for itself. I'm not going to go into uh, uh, what he meant or didn't meant. He laid it out. He he said it to all of you when he was uh, when he was out out. Uh, I believe in California. Oh, Corinne Jean Pierre and her non-answer answers. And Joe Manchin on the Sunday shows, the senator from West Virginia. Well, he didn't take too kindly to, or at least didn't embrace this no regrets idea from Biden. President Biden said he had no regrets on how he handled this. Do you have any advice for him on how he should handle this? Oh, I think he should have a lot of regrets. Yeah. I would would think that. I said, whoever's responsible. I mean, if I hold people accountable and I use, whether it be my chief of staff or my, you know, my my staff Mm -hmm. that we're doing this and I'm looking at, then I'm going to hold someone accountable. But basically, the buck stops with me. What are we to make of this? The way in which the Biden administration, their representatives have handled this. It seems inept. It seems incoherent. It seems like they are wanting you to just, we're constantly hearing the word seriously thrown out. 
just take their word for it that they're taking this seriously. Meanwhile, new documents keep showing up and the timing's a mess. And it's hard to keep track of the timeline as well. What should we make of all this and how the Biden administration has been handling it from an optic standpoint and more? Let's talk about it with Rashini Rajkumar, who is someone I've been interviewing for years on issues of communications, crises, and more. She is the host of the Crisis Files podcast, a crisis strategist, and a licensed attorney based in Minneapolis, is the former host from 2012 to 2021 of Real Talk with Rashini on WCCO Radio in Minneapolis. Her book, Communicate That, is in its third edition. Her website, ownyourwow.com. Rashini Rajkumar joins me now. Good morning, Rashini. How are you? Good morning, Jimmy. And, you know, you've really got uh, quite the energy doing all these shows, so it's great to be on with you in the morning. Uh, You know what? It's just the microphone that does it. Afterwards, I'll probably crash and be like, all right, can I take my nap yet? I I just... uh, I need that nap right about now. I think that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, let's start with there's no there there. When I hear that quote from anyone, let alone the president of the United States, it absolutely makes me think there's something there. Right. Let's keep digging. Reporters are asking the questions. Finally, they're asking the questions. And his press secretary, whose last name, by the way, I love how you pronounce, is not holding up well. She just isn't. I mean, it's her job to speak for the president. So I don't know what she's saying. Like, I'm not going to say anything separate from what the president said. So the, the problem here is on a couple of different levels. Certainly there are the legal angles that we can look at. But let's just even put that aside for yes. a moment, even though it does seem Attorney General Garland is being very fair and is also saying nobody is treated differently. Now, that's how we should be in our country. That doesn't always play out. But that's at least Garland's line right now, and I like hearing that. So legal things aside, just the very fact that documents from as far back as your Senate career are in your private homes or other places that really aren't public buildings, that is very troubling. That should trouble all of us on many levels. The optics of it, the legality of it, just the politics of it. So there's that. It's just a terrible PR nightmare for Biden, for the Democrats, for the White House right now. And there is an argument to be made that the Democrats are letting this just fly and setting themselves up to find a new presidential candidate for 2024. So one of the things that has been, and we'll get back to Merrick Garland here in a bit because I want to maybe push back a little bit on something that you said in regards to the attorney general. But one of the things that we keep hearing, a refrain from the administration, is that they take this seriously. The president takes this seriously. Karine Jean-Pierre consistently reinforces that narrative. Well, yesterday at her press conference, she was pressed to give any actual evidence that they take it seriously. And here's that. When you and the White House and the president all say that the president takes these classified documents very seriously without commenting on the ongoing uh, legal issue, what would you point us to that would demonstrate that seriousness? I'm going to really refer you to the White House Counsel's office. I, I am. I'm going. I, you can't tell us I how am. The, so the president continues to say I that am. he takes well, it seriously I, and you can't demonstrate how he takes it seriously. On. I, 
let me just finish let me finish my answer i'm going to i'm going to refer you to the white house counsel's office and i'm going to refer you to uh, the statements that you've received uh, from his personal lawyer uh, i'm going to refer you to the 45 minutes of conversation of back and forth that my colleague has had with all of you last week he's about to do another one where you can ask questions about this particular uh, legal matter Karine Jean-Pierre just wants you to trust their word for them Rashini Rajkumar and that is we take it seriously we're not going to provide you evidence but believe us when we tell you we take it seriously well, and that, if you remember well, from our maybe before you were born, the gong show, that would get a gong. That answer is just a bunch of crap, okay? If you're sitting in the position that she's sitting in, you cannot answer the National Press Corps, the White House Press Corps in that way. So, A, that's my first point on that. The rest of this is, so they go in with these different search warrants or, you know, okay, we're opening up this space to the FBI. And more things are found than the FBI even went in to look for. So all just at every layer of this. Now, to be fair, I was really thinking through some stuff. We're doing a big home renovation. We're going to be switching homes this summer. I've been thinking, do I know everything that's down in my storage room? No, but I sure as hell know it's all mine. It's not my neighbors. Right. It's not the governors of the state of Minnesota or Colorado. You know, so <laughs> these are the kinds of things that we should be asking the president's handlers, because obviously the president doesn't have very coherent answers. Uh, I am very troubled by his response. In fact, this is a case or a time for less is more. You've heard me say that, Jimmy. Less is more. And he just needs to stop talking about it. The other thing, as far as the press secretary goes, you and I have talked on your show in the past about body language, eye contact, all those subtextual images. Yes. Well, if your listeners get an opportunity to watch some of these press secretary remarks, how she hardly can keep eye contact with the reporters asking her questions. That's like, you know, press secretary 101. You better look these people in the eye who are asking you these questions, have short, tight answers if you don't want to expand on things, but at least look them in the eye. And I'm not seeing a lot of that from her. Again, we're talking with the host of the Crisis Files podcast, Rashini Rajkumar. I think it's not only is it revealing her body language and the lack of eye contact, but the language goes along with it where she's struggling to find her footing on what to actually say. And I want to give you one more example and ask you a broader question about the optics of this and what the American people are supposed to take away from it when they can't get clear-cut answers. And somehow we're supposed to believe almost that Biden is surprised by these documents turning up. Here's one more clip of Corinne Jean-Pierre refusing to say if Biden knew that documents were there. He just said the president said that he did not know the documents were there. I'm not actually sure he has said that that clearly. Are you saying the president did well, not Well, he said he was surprised. He said he was surprised. He said he was surprise. I'm just going to leave it there and I'm going to refer you to the White House counsel's office. He I'm just repeating what he said and he said what you just said you said he, he did said, not know the documents. He were there. said he was surprised that the documents were there. He said that and that he takes this very seriously. That's what I want to make sure that the American people understand. And I just refer American people might question that given that you keep every I mean every few days it seems we are finding that more documents have been found at his house. What I'm telling you is what the president has said, which is he takes this very seriously. Very seriously. Very seriously. He takes this very seriously. That's just the constant refrain. Yet, Rashini, 
They won't say if he knew the documents were there, only that he was surprised that these are turning up. And by the way, this isn't just Peter Ducey of Fox News pressing. We've got reporter after reporter after reporter who's just not buying this line. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's what the the media should be doing. I was watching some of these press conferences live on the plane flying home from Florida last night, Jimmy, and I saw that clip that you just aired. I saw it. And I was very happy just as an ex-TV reporter myself. It doesn't matter the politics of who's in the White House. Reporters need to be asking these questions, need to be getting at the truth, digging up. It doesn't matter the party of the president. It is very incumbent on the media to do its job right now. And by the media, I definitely mean the journalistic press, those reporters that are asking these questions day in and day out. And guess what? It's not about being nice. It's not about making a press secretary or a president or his staff comfortable. It is about getting to the truth. And that is what I hope the journalists continue to do so we understand what exactly is happening here. Yeah, and that's the thing is when you have these kinds of questions and you have the media pushing in these ways and then getting the kinds of responses, what message does that send? How would you assess the Biden administration's handling of this from a PR standpoint, because it seems to be beyond botched to me. Yeah, it is closer to the F range if we were going to go letter grade on this. I mean, you have to match up the reality, the perception. You have to not try to cover up. I mean, remember, often the cover up is worse than what actually you're being accused of or what actually happened. So don't try to cover every, anything up, but you sure as heck better know who's saying what on your behalf. And that's what I find is really at issue here. And I will say, I mean, I'm working with no one from the Biden administration. I think that press secretary needs my help because these responses are so Bush League. I mean, I think I, when I was in Fargo, small market television, I was experiencing better press secretaries that I was asking questions of at these kinds of press conferences. This is absolutely crazy what we're seeing and what we're hearing from the White House. So what advice would you give them if they did bring you in, whether it was to talk with the president and or to talk with Corinne Jean-Pierre, what would you advise them, Rashidi Rajkumar? You really like saying her last name, don't you? <laughs> you know, it's, it's got to be said. That's it. All right. Well, Uh, What I would say is, okay, look, a lot has already happened. We can't go back in time. But what we can do from this day forward is identify who's going to speak and on what topics. And if your line is counsel is the only one speaking, then she shouldn't be saying much at these press conferences. Maybe just a couple bullets that are consistent and don't change from day to day and always refer to a specific counsel who's running the messaging on it. That is what I would recommend, or if they have another spokesperson that's more in tune to the legalities that understands, because what we haven't really heard yet is why from the Senate time do we have these documents, these classified documents in your possession? That's what really doesn't make sense. I mean, I was even wondering why when he was vice president did these things, you know, the timeline Mm -hmm. on that. So, You've got to start really staying on point, whatever your message is. And, you know, it should be the truth. I mean, the truth is always the best message, Jimmy. Let's just not forget that point. 
stick with that and don't add a lot of tangents. Don't give them reason to question the veracity, to question your morality and ethics, to question your leadership. That's what we have right now. We really have a crisis of leadership in our country that, you know, started long before even Biden came to the White House. And it's just going to continue as long as this mm-hmm. administration is embroiled with this crisis. Uh, Rashini Rajkumar, our guest, again, host of The Crisis Files, follower on Twitter at The Crisis Files for the program. Uh, let's talk about Merrick Garland for a moment, because you said he's being very fair and he's right to be talking about how nobody should be treated differently. However, let's go back to November of last year. November 2nd, these documents showed up first at the University of Pennsylvania. And then later that month, you had the DOJ launch its sort of investigation into Biden. But they made a big stink and let public and everything about Trump and the Trump documents and You had the special counsel that was appointed to oversee Trump in no time after that back in November. And we didn't hear about this until, what, two, three weeks ago for the very first time when it was was it CBS News or whichever media outlet reported on the Biden classified documents first months after those original documents. And then a special counsel is appointed to oversee the investigation of the president of the United States, a.k.a. Merrick Garland's boss. So there have been those who've wondered, okay, why is there a multi-month period, two months or so plus, where you had the Biden Justice Department keep hush on that while the Trump story was out front and center, and then finally the word gets out, and then he goes ahead and appoints a special counsel. I I think that there's some cause, at least, for folks to question a little bit about how fair Merrick Garland really has been here, is there not? Well, the simple answer is the midterm elections, Mm -hmm. okay? Of course. Now, the question for me, for all of us, is, Did Merrick Garland and the Justice Department know about these documents before President Biden? I would believe, I would like to believe that Biden and his actual people in the White House knew before anybody else, any other, you know, anyone from the Justice Department, any American citizen. That's where you need to point the finger on the timing. So if they knew, and I have a strong feeling they did, they withheld those documents in order to have the best case scenario for the midterm elections. Then however they came out, I mean, that's the million-dollar question. Who actually leaked that or got word of that out there? That's what I'm a little unclear on, and that's then when Merrick Garland steps in. And, Mm. yeah, perhaps, as you described, he may not have been as consistent, but now hopefully he's correcting the score. You cannot treat this any differently. In fact, you have to have as much scrutiny because— Biden is a sitting president. You have to have as much scrutiny as you did for Donald Trump. Uh, Yeah, my understanding is the documents were found miraculously on the November 2nd and then (laughs) provided to the National Archives, which within 24 hours, which then immediately reached out to the Justice Department and said, hey, we've got these documents. And in November, the DOJ launched its investigation. It's hard for me to fathom that Merrick Garland, as the attorney general, did not know that this was happening regarding the president of the United States. But some of these questions will hopefully be sussed out. And yeah, hopefully he will be fair moving forward. 
But I, I do wonder about the two plus months in the interim between the discovery of those documents and the reporting from the archives to the Justice Department and when that special counsel, Robert Hur was appointed a couple weeks ago by the attorney general to look into this matter. But I want to shift gears to another topic, and I so appreciate your insights there. But while I still have you, because we're getting tight on our time, I had to ask you, I spent some time talking about this yesterday when I filled in for Deborah and Stefan. But Rashini, my heart breaks because M&M's has put their spokes candies on ice in the freezer saying, look, things are a little bit too hot as far as the controversies regarding our spokes candies and some of the backlash against the woke stuff, at least the perception of woke uh, mentalities being incorporated into their animated candies, that uh, Maya Rudolph is going to step in and be the spokesperson instead of the spokes candies who, again, are being swept aside because it's too controversial for the M&Ms. What do you make of this as a PR professional? Jim, Jimmy, this is a dark day for America. <laughs> I know. But how, I mean, I'm not even saying this to laugh about this. How crazy have we become that those little spokes candies are getting literally uh, canceled? I mean, that's what's happening. Mm. And and these are the cutest little things. I think they have cross-generational appeal. They tie M&M's back history and legacy into the future, modernizing the brand. I am so confused by this. It's a bad decision. And guess what? Not everyone's going to love Maya Rudolph either, so then we're going to have some another layer to this. Well, it, so I'm really disappointed. Is this a story of a, a candy, innocuous, loved by everybody, M&M's, getting too political and then facing blowback for that? And then they say, well, OK, we, we kind of got to step back here dramatically to the extreme and just get rid of what the source of the controversy is and hope it dies down. Uh, I mean, is this a lesson for companies about playing politics or bringing cultural issues into their candies or other innocuous products? Yeah, I mean, look, there are times when you can make these very pronounced statements. For example, if the Confederate flag is hanging prominently in a building that we can come up with a bunch of reasons why that is going to be offensive to some people and should be taken down. I want to end our time together by pointing out that the contrast to this M&M, the lesson here and my advice as a crisis strategist is leaders need to stand up for their brands. They need to stand up and ask, and say to the public, hey, this is what we're standing for. We're having fun with this. We can certainly change up s- some messaging, but we're not going to completely throw out all those little spokes m and Let me just end with this positive note. This morning in the Wall Street Journal, I'm reading about Spotify and how Spotify has to lay off 6% of its workforce. Apparently last year, the CEO said, we are not going to lay people off. We're going to do everything we can to not do that. He has to walk that back. But guess what he said? He was quoted as saying, look, where we're at is on me. I will take full responsibility for what's happening. We're going to try to make this as painless as possible. But at the end of the day, when you lay off this many people, it's difficult. I mean, what if more leaders of our country, of all of our businesses, would stand up like that and say the buck stops with me. Right. I think we'd be in a better place, Jimmy. 
And that includes the president of the United States when it comes to something like the documents that we have seen. I'll just throw that out there. I I, I know you wanted to end on that note, but I I just want to ask you one final thing. There's speculation that this is actually a publicity stunt for M&Ms in advance of the Super Bowl, and maybe they'll have some sort of grand return in a couple weeks, I think on February 12th, when the Super Bowl happens, and uh, they will herald the return or the brand new spokes candies or something. If so, how do you think that plays? Well, it's a little, that's a little sketchy. I mean, I don't know that I could call that amazing PR because if they were axed for a reason that really had meaning and value to people, even if you and I find it ridiculous that they were axed, if you bring them back in some full glory, then you're also kind of, uh, you know, poking fun at a really actually sensationalizing some some beliefs that that many of your customers hold dear. So mm-hmm. that's questionable, but an interesting thing to watch for and maybe talk about. Rashini Rajkumar, host of the Crisis Files podcast. Where can folks go to listen to the podcast, Rashini? Well, please go to anywhere you listen to podcasts, The Crisis Files. Just search for that. It pops right up. You can also go to thecrisisfiles.com. And we hope you follow us at The Crisis Files on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Wonderful. Rashini, always great to check in with you, my friend. Thanks so much for sharing your insights today. Thank you, Jimmy. Once again, Rashini Rajkumar joining us here on the program. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler. She's always excellent on the radio and enjoy getting her perspectives as a longtime crisis coach and PR professional. We're going to take a break. We'll pick up the conversation on the other side. What do you make of this discussion that we had? Any reactions to Rashini's observations? How about Merrick Garland, the attorney general, and how he handled this thing from the start regarding the documents? Maybe you're upset about the loss of the spokes candies for M&Ms being put on ice way back in the freezer and being replaced by Maya Rudolph. Who knows? What your thoughts are, I don't, but I'd like to hear them. 303-696-1971. You can also text into the show on the 710 KNUS app on your smartphone. Keep it right here. Jimmy and for George on Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS. Rockin' and rolling back. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler. News Talk 710 KNUS. It would be interesting to know, writes in a texter on the 710KNUS app, on his or her smartphone, it would be interesting to know how much Hershey already felt the backlash by going woke like Coke and Disney at all with massive revenue drops. So I do want to clarify, when we're talking about M&Ms, that's Mars. Mars Inc. owns M&Ms, not Hershey. But your point is well taken. And it's a legit question to ask. That is to say, are they recognizing that maybe they shouldn't, that go woke, go broke is true? And they shouldn't have done this. I don't know. I certainly think it's an example of the lack of wisdom in getting involved in politics when you are an innocuous company like Mars with your M&M's candies, and then you're saying, oh, well, things are too hot in the kitchen, so we are going to put our spokes candies on ice in the freezer and replace them with a human spokesperson. Huh. Go figure. 
Also, our telephone number, 303-696-1971, if you want to join in to the festivities. The big question, how has the Biden team handled the chaos over these classified documents? How inept have they handled this, perhaps, might be the better question. Real Clear Politics, Phil Wegman on Fox broke this down, I think, very succinctly and effectively. And the White House response to all of this continues to be to refer reporters to the White House Counsel's Office. Right. And their response, when you ask very particular questions about how did they get to the Biden Penn Center or the president's garage or the room adjacent to the president's garage, they tell you, well, there's an ongoing investigation and they don't uh, provide any of those details. I think that eventually, at some point, we will get answers as to how these classified documents that were supposed to be uh, handled handled very carefully that if you and I saw them, we would be in a lot of trouble. I think eventually we will get answers there. But the, the White House argument has always been that the president takes classified documents very seriously. Just today, I asked the White House press secretary, without getting into any of the, the legalese around those investigations, can you demonstrate how he does take these, these documents seriously? And again, she referred me to the White House counsel without giving an answer. Great summation from Phil Wegman of how the Biden team, Corinne Jean-Pierre and the others, have just utterly failed to handle this well, to even answer basic questions. I mean, here's one example. Over on MSNBC yesterday morning on Morning Joe's show, on the Morning Joe show, even they weren't buying another spokesperson Biden advisor Ian Sam's defense of things. Look, the president takes this very seriously, as you heard him say that multiple again, times very in the last seriously. week. And, you know, I understand the question about how this happened. Yeah. And I think it's really important to understand that's exactly the type of thing a Justice Department investigation would be looking at. And so when you appropriately believe in the independence of a Justice Department to be able to conduct investigations free from undue influence and interference that this president has committed going all the way back to the campaign, you know, that is why we're deferring to the Justice Department to answer some of these questions. They're going to be tasked with finding all the facts, putting it all together, understanding exactly what happened, asking the questions. That's appropriate. That's why we're fully cooperating, to understand how this happened. And the president is giving them access to what they need to answer. Does the DOJ need to tell the president why the president has classified documents in his home? I don't understand that. Well, Joe, I understand the question, and I think that it's really just gets to the heart of the matter. The DOJ is the one who's tasked with finding out all the facts here, and the DOJ is going to ask questions, and the DOJ is going to seek information, and we're being fully cooperative with that process. We hope that that process moves forward thoroughly and efficiently so that we can get all the answers out there. Yeah, they're not handling this well, which is why you get 64% of Americans agreeing that Biden hasn't handled this well. Our most recent uh, ABC News Ipsos poll says 64% of those in the latest poll, and that was before this latest discovery, believed he acted inappropriately. 64% believe Biden acted inappropriately with these documents. And that should not come as a surprise whatsoever. Text just came in. Jimmy, the Democrats lit the fire that burned their own forest down. It does sort of seem like that is happening here. 
doesn't it? Another text coming in. What about the peanuts? In reference to M&M's, um, you did see Mr. Peanut murdered on January 22nd, 2020. Heading into the Super Bowl ads when they, what, didn't they birth a new peanut or something in their ad for the Super Bowl? Yeah, they, they played games there. Maybe M&M's is doing the same thing. Who knows? We'll find out on Super Bowl Sunday, February 12th. But time will tell at that point. Going back to the first hour, we talked about, I got a, a text I've been wanting to read. We talked about this bill in the Colorado legislature that really is, as the Denver Gazette editorialized, an assault on Colorado's service economy, where they have all sorts of new requirements that legislators would like to force upon restaurants and other service businesses that includes requiring that affected employees must be told their work schedule 14 days in advance. Employees would have to be paid a full hour's wage for any time added to a shift and two full hour's wages for any time subtracted from a shift. And overtime pay would be mandated for any hours an employee works within 12 hours of the last shift. And they're calling this predictability pay. And here's a text that came in from a listener. Terry in Texas. You can't schedule someone, allowing them to make a budget, and then arbitrarily take hours away from that employee and say you run a fair and good business. If you expect much from your employees, you need to match that commitment as an employer. So, Terry, I certainly agree, and I hope you're still listening. I certainly agree that employers have an obligation to treat their employees in the way that they want their employees to act. Mutually beneficial exchanges are the nature of economic exchanges or interactions, transactions, and business relationships, and especially when it comes to an employer and an employee. That's absolutely a given in my book. But that does not mean two things. Number one, that the all-knowing, all-powerful government must step in and force businesses to do something that they claim or are implying is not being done well enough. And I don't see the evidence that this isn't being done well enough, that this is necessary, this kind of an approach. So you're impugning businesses by doing this and micromanaging them on the one hand. So that's number one. Number two... Sometimes when you are looking at an industry like the restaurant, you have no choice. And it's part of the nature of the business. And employees know and expect and should know and expect some of the volatility that can come from restaurants. I'm aware of restaurants that have no choice. And they're like, look, this is a slow season. We're not going to have as many hours available. Or... This is a slow night, and we have no choice but to leave early. You know, you really have a lot that needs to be considered here. So I'm I noted I didn't notice that there was a text before this one, and the listener, thanks for listening, texted and added in. 
Please read the text before that. So I shall indeed. There needs to be regulation to rein in businesses and protect workers. If you deny that, you are not smart enough to participate in the conversation. I deny that. I guess I'm not smart enough. But thank you for listening anyway. Businesses constantly screw employees. That is a given in the economy. But does that mean that the government is the the answer? Well, you do continue to answer it this way. The government answer is wrong, no question. But it is a response to a modern management theories that never affect the business bottom line, but create havoc and hardship for the good, dedicated employees. I don't think you can make that judgment, certainly not categorically. Businesses are different. Every business is different. And how they even franchises are different in many cases between various franchise locations. But broadly speaking, businesses are different. And even if you're now saying the the government answer is wrong, but you're also impugning all businesses categorically, <clears throat> I can't get on board with that. And I, you do contradict yourself by saying there needs to be regulation to rein in businesses to protect workers. And then you say the government answer is wrong. Literally, government answer is implied in regulation. Is it not? Another text coming in from a different listener. You just don't let people leave early anymore. If you are expected to pay, then they can expect not to leave early. Well, I don't think that can be the case. I mean, it really, it varies. You have to depend on the circumstances of the business and what they're dealing with. And you can only predict so much out into the future, even in that day. 303-690-3000, 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. If you'd like to join into the festivities, we'd be happy to have you converse on the air, especially if you are disagreeing via text. Why not call in and engage in the conversation live on the air? You are more than welcome to do so. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for George Brockler. Keep them coming on the 710K and US app or call in again, 303-696-1971. You're listening to Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS. Welcome back. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler this morning. Guess we're continuing on the topic of the first hour, this bill. And I'm going to, excuse me, try and find out who the sponsors of this to-be-introduced legislation are or will be. It has not been introduced yet in the legislature, but putting new restrictions on businesses as far as scheduling workers and minimum payments and so forth. The Colorado Chamber of Commerce president, Lauren Furman, put it into this perspective this way, quote, The proposal fails to recognize the basic operational needs of businesses, and we're concerned about the impact it will have on our economic, climate, and competitiveness. It would impose broad new regulations and restrictions on how employers manage scheduling practices, placing unnecessary and often unfeasible burdens on both businesses and workers. Now, in the last segment, I put out the call for anybody who is texting in, feel free to call in as well. It looks like one of those texters, Gina in Aurora, has called in. Good morning, Gina. How are you? Fine, thank you. What's on your mind? Well, I just kind of wanted to clarify. If I schedule an employee to work, say, the lunch rush, and I schedule them for six hours, 
and that lunch rush is only four hours. I'm going to keep them there those two hours, and I don't care if they're washing walls. If I have to pay them, I'm going to have them work. Does that mean that um, if they have a sick kid? Does that mean I'm protected if I don't if I tell them, hey, you can't leave? Like, there's just repercussions with this bill all around. So you're looking at some of the complicating factors here. Yeah. 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 So so I think and it works both ways. Right. So it works both ways where, OK, this I need to leave early. Well, OK, the business should under, be understanding of that. Your kid is sick or something happened at school or what have you. The business that you're working for should be understanding. But then and have that flexibility to let you go. But that business then also needs to have flexibility in turn. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, mean, I, I get it. I worked in the service industry. My daughter works in the service industry. If that was my main source of income and I'm only getting my shifts, you know, like a week at a time, it is frustrating. Also, I don't like yeah. that they oh call you up, hey, we don't need you today, or we don't need you, or they switch the schedule on you. Right. During the week. Mm-hmm. You know, you're expect you're like, oh, yeah, I made my whole, my whole life schedule around what you told me I'm going to work, and then they come back and... Oh, no, we had to make changes. That's frustrating. I can understand that completely. The The frustration is palpable, and it is very real, especially when your life, literally, your livelihood and therefore your life depends upon your schedule and your ability to make the money, et cetera. But to box businesses in is uh, legally is a different story. And, you know, exactly. maybe there is, and we were trying, Billy and I, earlier in the show, to reach some sort of common ground on this or some sort of a midpoint where, but even then it gets very dicey. Gina, I'm up against the break, but I appreciate you calling in and clarifying. Thank you so much. Again, 303-696-1971, our telephone number. You know, maybe Danielle Jurinsky has a thought on this. She's a business owner of multiple restaurants. She's Aurora City Councilwoman at large. We'll talk in the next segment, top of the hour, about the $3 million award that she's been given in court against Robin Nesetta of Aurora Arapaho Child Protective Services. Keep it right here. Jimmy and for George. Stay with us. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 